0: Welcome to Emmanuel, how are you feeling today? Pretty good? Excited to be here? I heard we're going to get a little snow here coming up soon, so maybe I'll be a little brief today, but then again, maybe not. You never know uh, what's going to happen. Hey, uh, did you enjoy Bill last week? Bill did a great job. I thought he did a great job. So excited. I got a little break, so uh, thank you to Bill. And um, so uh, today I'm excited because we are starting a brand new series called Hashtag and uh, if you don't know what a hashtag is let me fill you in real quick uh, I believe there are a few of you who don't know it's a social media tool it's, it's actually the number sign and it's something that you'd use on a social media platform like uh, Twitter or Instagram or Facebook and it's basically a tool that helps people talk about a specific topic or an event uh, or an area a genre of some sort um, and it you can see what what people are saying about that particular topic or idea just by using a hashtag. So on our t-shirts, if you've ever wondered why there's a pound sign, EC Vision, that's the hashtag right there. And some of you are like, oh, that's what that is. It's a hashtag. That's exactly right. And so if you get on social media or whatever, you can type in hashtag EC Vision and you'll see what has been said or what people are saying about our church or what's going on at our church, different things, and that's basically what a hashtag is. is it, did I just like blow some of your minds or, or some of you are like, this is so boring, I can't believe you're talking about this. <laughs> um, anyway, that's what a hashtag is. Some of you might be wondering, why in the world would we do a series uh, in church on social media? And the, real, the reason is this, is because social media is literally transforming our lives, and we have to talk about it because it's 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 a it's a phenomenon of biblical proportions. It's changing literally how we live our lives and we go through our lives in our world today. And in a lot of ways, it's positive. Um, we just had a trip; uh, a group of four people go to Africa to kind of check out a ministry there called Africa New Life. We're talking about partnering with them. And so when they got there, after 24 hours of traveling, when they got there, we were able to know if, see immediately what they were seeing and who they were seeing and even see some short videos and the people that they were meeting because of Instagram and because of Twitter. It's literally amazing what you can do today because of social media. You can communicate around the world in real time because of, uh, of different platforms on social media. There's, a lot of, there's so many positive things you can do. You can follow what your favorite people are saying uh, and doing, and, and some of you are interested, in, and you love that about social media. Uh, last night, I, I decided to follow uh, Stephen Curry, who actually lost in the three-point contest. Can you believe that? Some of you didn't watch that. You, you didn't. You didn't watch the three-point contest. Okay. Anyway, uh, if you're cool, you watch that. And no, I'm just kidding. Uh, anyway. But uh, what about Thompson? Man, did he shoot? I can't Anyway, okay, wow, wow. He hit all five money balls. That's amazing. Some of you need to watch that on Twitter or something uh, later. But uh, so, so, yeah, you can follow what your favorite people are doing. You can get behind causes, you know, things that you're passionate about and you want to support and things you want to push. You can get on that social media. You can share your opinions on, you know, wh- whatever you want to share your opinions on. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's an, a pretty incredible thing that, that's going on. I, I, I heard a story this week about, about a, a guy named Dan. Daniel Fleetwood, and this is an incredible story. 32 years old, he came down with a rare form of cancer that, that really was, was spreading uh, really fast in his body. The doctors gave him two years to live, and his, he was a huge Star Wars fan, and his, his dying wish was to be able to see the, the Star Wars movie uh, before it came out, or you know at least to live until it came out, and the doctors were telling him, man, you're, gonna, you're not going to make it. So they got on social media, and they used the hashtag #ForceForDaniel. And uh, some of the actors in the movie caught wind of this uh, social media movement on Twitter. They retweeted it, and and basically his dying wish was to to, to be able to see the movie. So the producers of the the new Star Wars movie, plus Disney, plus everybody else who had to say yes, actually took uh, a a pre-cut version of the movie, an unfinished version of the movie, to Daniel's house. And they gave him a private showing of the movie, and five days later, he died. And I, I read that story and I thought, that's amazing. That, that, that That's the power of social media. It can be used to, to do incredible things in our world today. Unfortunately, there are also some pitfalls to social media, and, uh, and really that's what this series is all about. We're going to be talking about some of those pitfalls and some of those downsides to social media, but it is truly a phenomenon of biblical, biblical pr- proportions. I want you to check out some of, these, some of these statistics. Right now in our world today, there are 2.2 billion active social media users. users. That's 30% of our world's population. So if you're sitting here right now thinking, man, this is, I can't believe you're talking about this in church. This, I don't use social media, I'm not on any platforms, and I don't, think, I don't plan on being, hey, guess what? Someone in your life that you love is. I guarantee it. A child, a brother, an uncle, a sister, a cousin, or whoever is on there and they're using it. And I tell you what, if you, how many of you would like to maintain influence in your children's life and your grandchildren's life going forward? How many plan on living the next 20, 30, or 40 years? You do? Well, guess what? This is what's happening in our world today. It, the, the use of social media is becoming part of our everyday life. It's actually what we do. It's where we live. And so even if you're not a social media user, I want you to pay attention to this series because you're going to have an opportunity to, to influence and shape your kids and your grandchildren moving on into the future. They'll, check this out. Every single day, Facebook adds 500,000 users. That's six new accounts every second. Let that sink in. That's how, that's how big that this is exploding. And that's just one social media platform. There are 4.5 billion likes generated every day. You know what a like is? It's just when you look at something and you just tap it and say, I like that. That's all that it is. <laughs> but there's 4.5 billion of them out there. And there's only 7 billion people on the planet. I mean, it's truly amazing. Every 60 seconds, there's 510 comments, 293,000 st- status updates. You know, when you say, I'm no longer dating, I'm, I'm single, or whatever, I got a job, or whatever. And there's 136,000 photos uplated, updated, uh, uploaded Sorry. every 60 seconds. It's incredible what's going on in our world today with social media. Now, as I've mentioned, there are positives and there are also negatives. There are, there are some pitfalls. And in this series, what I want to do is, is look into the scriptures and try to navigate those pitfalls. See, my heart is, is for you, and I think God's heart for us is to, is to be able to leverage social media and use it in a way that honors Him and in a way that pushes forward His causes and His initiatives and His will in this world so that it's not something that, that hurts our lives or wrecks our lives. That actually helps our, our world today and helps push forward his will in this world. And so that's really what I want to talk about. I believe that, that social media falls into the category of money. I do not believe that money is evil. A lot of people believe that. I don't believe that. I believe the love of money is evil. But I believe money is amoral, meaning simply it's not good or bad. It depends on the user. Okay, money can be used to do incredibly awesome, wonderful things in this world, right? Like build wells for people who don't have clean water. You can use money to do that. It can also be used to do terrible, awful, sinful things in this world. Do you agree with this? Money's not evil. Money's not good. It depends on who's using the money. Social media is the same way. It's not evil, it's not good. It depends on who's doing the typing, who's doing the posting, what are you taking pictures of? What are you commenting on? That's what makes it either good or bad. And so we want to look at this. How do we leverage social media? To to be a positive force in our world today. I believe that's what Jesus would want. Do you agree with this, yes or no? Yes? All right, let's look at this. Look at, let's look at the first pitfall we got here. The first pitfall is this, that social media, if we're not careful, can really damage the relationships that are most important to us. It really can. And there are three specific ways, there's probably more, but there are at least three specific ways I wanna to talk to you about how, uh, today about how social media can really hurt us in our relationships. And the first way is this, social media can draw our attention away from the people we love the most. It can draw our attention away. We can become so addicted to what people said, and, and we, become, we can become so fearful of missing out on what's going on or missing out on events or missing out on things that, that we're just always looking, always looking, always looking uh, at a phone or an iPad or something like that. 50% of millennials, 18 to 24-year-olds, 50% of them, half of them, amazing. There are millions of them in our country today. Half of them, first thing they do in the morning when they wake up is look at some platform of social media first thing in the morning. How many of you actually do that? You don't have to raise your hand, but yeah, and you're not even a millennial, see? Almost a lot of us do that. We roll over, we keep our phones right by our bed. We sleep with them, some of us, Right? And, and we use them as a, our alarm clocks. That's what I do in my in my in my, uh, in my next to my bed. Right. So we we're addicted to to the to the rush of who's saying what and who, who's commenting and who, who's doing this or that, and and what happens is we get so drawn into it that we actually stop focusing on the people in our lives. Have you ever walked into a restaurant and seen this this situation right here? There's mom. There's dad, doing their thing on you know pinterest or watching looking at cat videos or whatever people look at you know there's dad probably checking on you know the latest sports scores or you know something like that and and there's baby we really don't know what she's looking at in fact we're going to do a whole talk week 4 of this series on parenting social media kids and uh, we're going to dive into that because it's a big big issue okay but we don't know what baby's looking at but look they they're physically present but they're not present are they Their attention is being drawn away, and they're not having this crazy thing called, you ready for it, conversation. (laughs) They're losing the, we're losing the ability to actually have a conversation with people because we're always dialed into our phones and doing this, you know, tweeting or retweeting or posting or commenting or Snapchatting or whatever it is that we're doing. Our attention is being drawn away. I did this the other day at dinner. We we usually have a pretty good balance uh, at dinner time at our house when it comes to phones and social media. Uh, but, but one, what we do at, uh, we, around dinner, we, sh- we go around the table and we ask this simple question, highs and lows. You know, what was your high today? What was your low today? We were doing pretty good and we we're having conversations. But the thing about my family, at least right now, we've got a 14-year-old, a 12-year-old, and a 10-year-old. And I think I'm pretty close on that. Is that right? <laughs> okay. Uh, anyway, the, the, the conversation around the dinner table for us uh, is, not, unfortunately, 90, 90% of the time it's just pure silliness. Right, it's just pure like it's just laughing and giggling and joking and and talking about you know body you know noises and 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 you know it's just that's just what that's just where we're at as a family right and you know anybody else there living there it's like. So, But we talk, and we try to converse, and, and so one day at the end of dinner, like last week or whatever, uh, you know, I just kind of lost interest and picked up my phone, but right when I picked up my phone to kind of look at who, you know, who made a comment on my latest Instagram deal or whatever, uh, my wife was talking, and, and when she was talking, she saw me pick the phone up, and she stopped talking, and not only did she stop talking, she got up to walk away from the table, and I realized in that moment what I had done. And even this morning, I was talking to her about this illustration. I, you know, I said, why, why did you get up? She said, you weren't paying attention to me. <laughs> See? Mm-hmm. Now, that's fine for couples that are doing okay. Right? You can do stuff like that every now and then and kind of, you know, a little withdrawal, a little withdrawal. But when you got marriage problems, man, that's like the icing on the cake. It, like, puts you overboard. You're not, you never listen to me, you know. And then all the other issues come up. Anybody have marriage problems? <laughs> and so a little issue like I pick up a phone to look at Instagram becomes into a monstrous argument. It's not about Instagram anymore. It's about all the things that you've done the last month, you know, stupid or whatever. And that's a whole nother series for another day. But I tell you what, man, this is, this is an issue. This is an issue. We are not paying attention to one another. Social media is causing us our attention to be drawn away from the the people that we love the most. Let's talk about this second one. Social media, another problem. Another way it's digging and hurting our relationships is it's exposing us to all kinds of temptation. It's exposing us to all kinds of temptation. Never before have, has there been so much temptation put before us because of, because of social media. Years ago, when a person wanted to have an affair, they had to like hook up with the person in the office next to them, right? Or their assistant or their secretary or something like that. Or their kid, one of the parents of their kids on their baseball team or something like that, right? Or the neighbor. There were, the options were limited to have an affair years ago. Now you just pick up your phone, right? It's like, well, who's interested? <laughs> There's actually an app. I don't recommend you download it. <laughs> But you can find out who wants to have an affair in your neighborhood by downloading the app. It's craziness. It's crazy. It's like temptation is literally, literally at your fingertips. Divorce lawyers say that 66% of divorce lawyers say that they use evidence gathered from Facebook in the cases against, each, uh, against the spouses. Because people are online, just a f- couple of finger types away, and, you know, they're re-engaging with an old flame from college or high school or whatever, right? Used to, that used to be difficult to have an affair. Now it's just right there, right there for you. And then today, pornography is just a, at the tip of our fingers. You, know, you go to the toilet, you type in a few words, and all of a sudden you get a whole cesspool of filth in front of you. And you're on the toilet. <laughs> it's amazing. Years ago, you'd have to steal a magazine, you know, or or something like that. Or you'd have to go into some creepy, slimy porn store, (laughs) you know, to to look at some some inappropriate stuff. Now it's just right here, just at the toilet, you know. The biggest percentage of porn users in this country is 12 to 17-year-olds. That's why we're going to do a whole series on how to parent children who are social media savvy. Week number four, you're not going to want to miss that. How is it that the biggest percentage of pornography consumers is 12 to 17-year-olds in this country? How is that? That's how they get it. And when we put these in our kids' hands and say, hey, your friends have one, what we're doing is putting it right in their hands. It's crazy. That's where that's our world today, right? And it's not just pornography. I mean, there's other things. I, I want to read you a quick testimony of a guy. Uh, this is from a book called Struggles, and another pastor did this series, and this, it, this just breaks your heart. This could be your kid, this could be my kid, this could be your brother, somebody. Listen, this, this guy's name is Brandon. He said, I never imagined it would happen to me. Sure, I'm like any other guy, I've always been attracted to pretty girls. But I had no idea how this attraction could get so out of control. It started when my big brother got an iPad. He showed me how to remove the safe search while looking at images. I started looking at naked celebrities. But once that door was open, gradually I started watching pornography nonstop. Now I'm a junior in college, and I haven't gone a day without looking since I stepped foot on campus three years. I want to stop. I don't know how or if I'll ever be able to. Does that break your heart? It breaks mine because you know what porn does? It totally destroys your heart and your perception of the opposite sex. It just destroys your heart, right? And some of you are sitting here thinking, man, this, is, this, this talk's getting dark, man. Come on. <laughs> I didn't come to church to be discouraged. I'm just talking about reality. 70% of men look at pornography. Some 30 to 40% of women do today, right? But it's not just that. Maybe you're sitting here thinking, well, I don't look at that stuff. That's filthy. That's gross, whatever. Okay, well, there's other temptations for you huh, on social media. Listen to one mother of three. She says, her name is Cindy. She says, as a stay-at-home mother of three, I guess I was overwhelmed and I just needed a break. That's not an excuse, but it's the truth. And it wasn't like I was looking at pornography or anything, I just started reading a friend's blog and then she would mention something on Pinterest and I'd go there, then on some funny cat videos and then another song and another site, which led me to do a little uh, online shopping on Amazon, ordering a present for my sister's birthday. Next thing I knew, three hours had gone by, I I thought I'd be online for say like 10 minutes. When I make myself really think about it, this happens several times a week, which only makes me feel more overwhelmed. You ever been there? Three hours later, you're still online. You don't even know why you started. <laughs> the te- there's, there's so much temptation out there today. We have to know how to navigate social media in a proper way. And then this third one, let's talk about this third one. How, how does it d- just dig at our relationships? It creates discontent. Social media creates discontent. It's absolutely amazing how this works. I'll just be 100% honest with you. The other day, I was looking, on, I was looking at my feed and... Uh, I saw another pastor in the area that I know, larger church on the north side and they posted on his uh, Instagram feed that uh, they were going to launch a campus downtown Indianapolis. And I'm just going to be honest with you, I wasn't happy because I want to launch a campus downtown Indianapolis (laughs) and all of a sudden I felt envious. I felt jealous because of a social media post about a church expanding the work of God in this world. That's dark. It, see, if we're not careful, what we're looking at, the feed, and instead of, instead of it helping us, it, it will create discontent. Specifically in our relationships. when We look at people going out to dinner with their families, posting pictures of their families at a restaurant or or maybe they go on vacation and, you know, they're, they're posting pictures of Disney World. And you start to think, well, I wish my husband made enough money for us to go to Disney World. Wish I had a husband like hers. <laughs> or if you're a guy, you know, you're looking at somebody else's pictures of, you know, somebody, their wife and they're together. I wish my wife to looked a little bit more like her. <laughs> was a little bit more godly like her, or whatever. I wish my kids behaved like, look at their kids. Their kids look so good, they're so, probably honor students. <laughs> wish my kid was an honor student. What's wrong with my kids? <laughs> probably my husband's fault. <laughs> I mean, you just I mean, just unbelievable. The discontentment in your relationships that's created. There's a study done by a guy named Alan Hall. He, he did it, it's called Facebook and why it makes you miserable and jealous. Listen to the findings. Subjects felt significantly worse about themselves the more time they spent on Facebook. This was a a study done by two universities in Berlin. Bunch of research done of over 600 students. After using Facebook for 30 minutes, they came back, they felt discontent with their lives. Incredible. Stephen Furtick said that, uh, Pastor Stephen Furtick said it this way. He said, what we're doing is comparing our our behind-the-scenes footage with people's highlight reels. See, that's what people do on Instagram and Facebook. They post their top 10. Have you ever noticed that? It's like watching ESPN's top 10 plays. Why do we watch that? Because they're the best plays. And so what do people do? They take their best moment of the week and they post it, right? And then you look at your lousy life and you look at their awesome life and you're like, I suck and my relationships suck and my marriage sucks and everything sucks. And you're awesome. I want your life, right? If we're not careful, that's what can happen. Inside of our hearts, we, get, we, get, we, we become discontent. So, what do we do with this? How do we navigate this? I want to give you three specific things to, to, to work on and then we can, we can bounce out of here. I know this is hard stuff. This is hard. I could talk about something fun and exciting, but I want to talk about what's real life. I want to talk about the life that I'm living, the life you're living, and how we can do it together in a way that honors God. Is that cool? Is that fair? Let's talk about this. How are we going to fix this? Well, we're going to, we're going to fix the first problem by being present with the people in front of us. My goodness. Let's put the phones down. Let's look people in the eye. Let's have conversations. How about that? Right? Let's be, let's listen to the people in front of us. The other day, I was at Starbucks with a friend of mine. And he was telling me about his trip that he'd just taken to Africa. And he was showing me some videos. and just tears. He went to Rwanda with a team of four people. And he was talking to me about the genocide. Remember the genocide in 1944 when Clinton was president? I mean, he was showing me stuff. And it was just such a, such a broken area. But the reconciliation is amazing there. And the forgiveness that's been extended is amazing in Rwanda. And he's sharing all this stuff with me. Can you imagine? Just, just think of it. Can you imagine if as I'm sitting there with my friend, all of a sudden, in the middle of him sharing all this amazing experience with me, that I just kind of dive into my bag and get my book, just start reading a few pages. Oh, were you talking to me? Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You're, uh, pardon me. I just put that away. Just, you know, a couple more minutes later go by, and he shares more stuff with me, and I'm just kind of. All of a sudden, I just kind of dive back in, and you know, I love to plan, so I always carry my planner. You know, it's my Plan my week and my, my to-do lists. And just in the middle of the conversation, just start planning away. And he's talking. Can you imagine him just sitting here, <laughs> the look on his face? I mean, what is he going to be thinking if I start planning my week while he's telling me about his experience? Can you imagine? And there I am right away, and all of a sudden I realize what I'm doing. Oh, I'm sorry. I was just planning my week. I'm just going to continue <laughs> And then somebody walks into the coffee shop, and all of a sudden, I I start a conversation. Oh, how are you? Good to see you. How are the kids? Good? How's that? Everybody okay? Did they pass the test? Good? Oh, that's awesome. Have a blessed day. God bless. Oh, I'm sorry. Would you? That's literally what we do when we're with people and we're doing this. is, Is anybody else with me when I say that that is completely rude? Almost every hand went up in here. But yeah, we do it. We like we're with somebody. I did it the other day at dinner. The reason my wife got up from the dinner table is because that is so rude of me to do that. She was talking to me, not the children. (laughs) Listen to what the Bible says. Love does no harm to his neighbor, Romans chapter 13. And when we are not present with the people we're with, we are harming them. That's what we're doing. We have to be present, put, put, the, put the devices away and, and, and engage with each other. Listen to what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter, thir- chapter four. He says, uh, sorry, verse, uh, chapter 13, love is patient and it's kind. Love is not jealous, it's not boastful, and it is not rude. We have to be present with each other. We have to learn how to engage one another again. It's a lost art of conversation to look somebody in the eye and to actually listen to them. But that's how we overcome the first obstacle. Number two, how do we overcome the temptations? Number two, we have, to, we have to be wise and use boundaries and use guardrails in our lives. Look, if social media is tripping you up and causing you to sin, you have to get some guardrails out in your life. The Bible says that there is always a way of escape when it comes to temptation. Listen to what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 10. He said, when you are tempted, God will show you, say it with me, A way out. There's always a way out when you are tempted. Why? So that you can endure the temptation. You and I must find that way out, and we must take that way out if if you're being tempted on a social media platform. That's, that's That's up to you. Listen to what Paul said in another place in Romans chapter 13. He said this, put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision. Don't make a way for your flesh or your sinful desires to be gratified. What is Paul saying? It's up to you. God will make a way, but guess what? You have to work with him to make that way. You have to make sure that you're not putting yourself in a position to be tempted. So you have to, if, if, if too much time on Pinterest or too much time on Instagram or too much time on Facebook is causing you to do things that you know you shouldn't be doing, well, guess what you're doing? You are making a way for your flesh to do things it should not be doing. so you have to take the way of escape. So how do you do that? You have to build guardrails. You have to build some some boundaries in your life. Let me give you a couple really quick. Number one, a couple of guardrails. You You can put these into your life today. Number one, you have to clean up your feed. Clean up your feed. There are people that post stuff in your feed that's inappropriate. You agree with me? Yes or no? You can block it. You don't have to follow them. Okay, you just say no, I'm gonna unfollow you, I'm gonna block your feed, that's inappropriate, you're saying things, you're doing things that are inappropriate. You you don't have to follow those people. So you you have to you have to basically clean that whole thing up. Listen to what Job said in Job chapter 31, verse 1. This doesn't just apply to lust, this applies to all areas of life. Job said, I made a covenant with my what? And what are we dealing with when we're dealing with social media? Our what? Our eyes and what we're looking at and what we're reading. He said, I made a covenant with my eyes not to look with lust at a young woman. This is not just dealing with pornography or or lustful things. This could be anything that's tripping you up. (laughs) It could be cat videos (laughs) causing you to waste time. (laughs) You know, it could be, you know, I don't know, arts and crafts. Like, you know, you you can't stop looking at arts and crafts or birthday material. And you just love kids' birthdays. And you buy stuff. You don't even have kids. You're buying kids' birthday stuff. You know, if that's tripping you up, you know, you got to clean that up. Number two, number two, be 100% transparent. Oh, I can't tell you how how, how helpful this is. What do I mean by 100% transparent? You got to give people freedom to know what you're looking at. You got to give them permission to ask you. Have an accountability partner say, hey, how are you doing on social media? Are you looking at things that are inappropriate? Are you reading things that are inappropriate? What's going on there? Invite them into your life. Proverbs uh, 27, 17 says, iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. If, you're, if you have passwords on your social media accounts, guess what? Give them to your parents. Give them to your spouses. There's no secrets here when you're married, right? If you've got, if you've got nothing to hide, you've got no fear. Say, so here's all my passwords. You can look anytime you want, right? And, and when you do that, you're building guardrails in your life. You're, you're protecting your own heart. That's what you're doing, be 100% transparent. Number three, create an end time, create an end time. What do I mean by that? If social media is kicking your butt and causing problems in your relationships and your marriage and it's, it's, it's causing you to kind of be distant and, and you're over here on your, your, your social media stuff and your spouse is over here on their social media, most social media stuff, set up an end time and say something like this, at eight o'clock, no more social media. We're gonna actually spend time together. We're gonna, we're gonna engage one another, set up an end time. Th- this one's easy. <laughs> it's like the toothpaste issue with married couples, right? Well, he doesn't, he doesn't put the cap on. He's so sloppy or whatever. You know, it just drives me crazy, you know? Okay, here's the, here's the solution, ready? It's so easy. Get two tubes. It's just, it's just beautiful. This one is that easy. Oh, well, he's always on his phone, or she's always on Pinterest, or she's always doing this, or whatever. Guess what? Just set an end time. No more social media after 8 o'clock. Got it? So you got it got it? Got it. Nice. Let's look at this fourth one. Don't make public what should be private. This one boggles my mind. I can't believe, I, I thought this was like common sense, but it's amazing that some people will take a private issue between, let's say, them and their boss, or them and their friend, best friend, or them and their spouse, and they'll go public with it on a social media platform. Now, can I say a word in church that maybe you don't hear often? I, stupid. Stupid. That's stupid. <laughs> you with me, right? If I make a private matter public, what's, what, what are the consequences going to be? be in my life right I'm gonna lose a friend I might lose a job look I know some of your private information because you've confided in me not everybody of course I couldn't handle that but some of you have told me some very private issues this is a platform right here can you imagine if just right now I started to talk about some of your very private issues on this platform You'd leave this church, you'd probably file a suit against me. You, I mean, all, you'd probably create all kinds of problems in our community. Why, because I lost your trust. Well, why is it any different on social media? Listen, high school students, you're the worst at this. If you're a high school student, you, you have a, fr- a fight with a friend, and you get on social media, you tell everybody in the school, are you sick? That's, hey, hey, that's <laughs> stupid. High school student, middle school student, you don't don't take private matters between you and a friend and make it public. That's idiotic. That's how you lose all your friends, see? You just, you do keep private matters private. Agreed? Yes or no? Agreed? Oh, man. Let's go. Let's protect our relationships. Let's talk about this fifth one. Delete the platform. Let's get some, let's get some wisdom here. And and if you can't handle it and you've tried other things and your butt's still getting kicked by social media, watch this. Get rid of it. How about that one? Some of you have done it. Tell me, raise your hand if you've ever gotten rid of a a social media platform because it's kicking your butt or it was hurting your life. Look at all the hands. You got rid of Facebook, you got rid of Twitter, Instagram or something. Why? Because it wasn't helping you. It wasn't helping your relationships. Delete the platform. Listen to what Jesus said right here in Matthew chapter 5. He said, if your right eye causes you to sin, tear it out and throw it away. That's pretty severe. Now, did he literally mean that? Heck no, because none of us would have eyeballs. (laughs) We'd all be blind, right? (laughs) He didn't literally mean to pop your eyeballs out with a screwdriver. That'd be terrible. What he meant was, what he meant was do whatever you have to do to make to guard your heart or guard your relationships or guard prote- protect your relationship with God. Be be ruthless in your attempts to protect the things that are valuable. And listen, social media has the potential to completely destroy your marriage, your relationship. So, guess what? If it does, delete the platform. Get rid of it. Set up those guardrails. That's how you win over temptation. Let me give you the third one, okay? Let's deal with discouragement. Let's deal with discontentment. Let's deal with jealousy. Let's deal with envy really quick. How do we overcome that? Number three, we have to celebrate with others. Man, this is so powerful. We have, when, listen, people post their highlights, right? They're not gonna post their lowlights, right? When their kids are crying because, you know, I don't know, something happened and you're, you know, I don't know, just something terrible, things, things like that happen in our house where so and so is being selfish. We don't, my wife and I are like, oh, let's take a photo. <laughs> they can't get along. This will make us look like really good parents. Snap, tweet, yeah, we don't do that. You know, we take a picture when everybody's like quiet on the couch and reading their books, and we look really like really good parents, oh, look at this one, snap, tweet, (laughs) right? So we're putting out our highlight reel. Now when we're watching other people's highlight reels, again, the temptation is not to rejoice for them, the temptation is to say, I wish my family was like that, or they have a perfect life or whatever, a perfect husband, a perfect, you know, wife. What if you just decided everything you were gonna look at on Instagram or Facebook or whatever platform you're on, you decided when you saw something cool happen, you were gonna rejoice for them. Good for them. What would happen? A couple, of, couple of photos on Instagram. Just yesterday, I have a friend who's downtown Indianapolis. They're doing a little getaway at the Marriott, the big, tall, skinny Marriott, beautiful new building. And they're snapping photos from the windows, you know, and, I'm looking at that, it's just real pictures, just right here, just, just, I mean, I can show it to you. Just right here on Instagram, it's down the feed, there it is, right there. This beautiful picture of downtown from the window. And if I'm not careful, I'll go, how, how, come, how come I don't get to go? <laughs> but what if I just said, good for her, good for him, they got to go away, right? I have another friend who's in New York City right now, just doing a little getaway with his wife, you know, just a little, good for him. Right? I have a friend of mine that, that uh, went to Cancun, Mexico uh, a couple weeks ago. Same exact resort that my wife and I went to for our honeymoon. So he was snapping photos from the beach, you know. Good for him. That's so cool. It's an interesting story about, about that whole uh, event. It was 15 years ago for us. We didn't know. It was my job to figure this out, but we didn't know it was a topless beach. Very interesting. <laughs> You don't want to go on your honeymoon and go to. But I didn't know. I didn't know. And that's not why I felt a little bit jealous of why they went at all. Not at all. Not at all. <clears throat> Just rejoice. Man, look what he got to do. Look what she got to do. Look what they got to do. What? Here's what Craig Rochelle said. I love it. The author of the book, The Struggles. He said, well, that's not what he said. God said that. But <laughs> Craig Rochelle said this. Celebration sends a kill shot right to the heart of envy. Oh, man, that's so good. When you celebrate what somebody else is doing and their photos and their pictures, it just destroys envy and jealousy inside your heart when you can sincerely rejoice. And that's what Romans chapter 12, verse 12 tells us to do, which we just saw. Romans 12, verse 12 says, rejoice with those who rejoice. It is a beautiful thing. And then what happens, is it guards your heart against discontentment in your own relationships and, and you start to appreciate your, the people in your life instead of wanting them to be more like him or her or their kids or whatever celebration sends a kill shot into the heart of envy. Man, I've given you some practical stuff today to to deal with discontentment, to deal with temptation when it comes to social media, to deal with the reality that sometimes it draws us away from being present with the people in our lives. Be present. Set up those guardrails and celebrate with those who are doing something wonderful. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Let me finish with a question today, really quick. Very simple question. How important are your relationships to you? I would say, you'd probably say, they're very important. They're they're everything I have besides my relationship with God. If you're a person of faith, there's God and then there's my relationships. Okay, okay. Then if that's true, if your relationships are, are paramount in your life, they're that important, wouldn't you do just about anything to protect them? Wouldn't you put social media away and be present with your children and be present with your spouse? Wouldn't you put guardrails up to protect against temptation? I believe you would. Wouldn't you protect against discontent by rejoicing? Wouldn't you? I think you'd do all three of those things. In fact, if relationships are really that important to you, I think you'd do those three things and you'd do even more to protect your relationships. This week, I just want you to work on that. I just want you to watch your social media use and I just want you to put some of these ideas into practice. Why? Because they will protect your relationships, which you have said are extremely important to you. Let me close today by talking to you about the most important relationship that you could ever have and that's a relationship with God. You know when I was 17 years old I was privileged enough, blessed enough to have a mother and a church explain to me the importance of having a relationship with God. I don't, didn't deserve that. I didn't ask for that but I had a mom that would teach me about Jesus. Most of the time I didn't listen to her. But she would still teach me about Jesus. And then when I would go to church, I would hear about him. And at the age of 17 years old, I, in my backyard, I opened up my heart to God. I had tried to find happiness in every other way possible. It seemed. Unfulfilled, unsatisfied. And so I decided to give it a shot. And I opened up my heart to God and I asked Jesus to come into my life. And, and sure enough, <laughs> I mean, I'm not like a super, you know, spiritual person or anything i don't i didn't have an out-of-body experience but i tell you what i felt something i felt a warmness i felt grace i felt love i felt um, i felt like god was real and in that moment in my backyard i asked christ to be my savior You know, God wants to be in a relationship with you, and maybe that, maybe this moment right here, right now, is is, is the same moment I had in my backyard when I was 17, where you would ask God to come into your life and make you his child. So listen to what the Bible says here. It's absolutely incredible. This blew me away. God reveals or he shows his love for you and me, and that while we had our backs turned on him, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That blew me away when I was 17, because I had turned my back on God. Didn't want anything to do with him. Didn't want to know him, wanted to do my own thing. And all of a sudden, I heard this message that even when I was sinning, he still died in my place. Blew me away, swept me off my feet. I could cry right now if I, if I let myself, because I still remember that day. The feeling of unconditional love coming over my my whole soul, even though I was a sinner. And maybe you're feeling that right now. That's God. Don't ignore it. He wants to cleanse you. He wants to forgive you. He wants to be in a relationship with you. He died for you. And what you need to do is what I did when I was 17. I just reached out in faith and I said, okay, I'm a a goner. I mean, if you died for me, I, I accept it. I receive it. I'm not going to try to earn it. You can't earn it. (laughs) Many have tried. But you can receive it by faith. If that's where you're at today, I'm I'm going to invite you to simply pray the prayer I prayed that day. Imperfect as it was, it was enough. Because it's not the prayer, it's not the words, it's not getting the words right, it's the faith behind the prayer. Perhaps this is your moment. Would you pray with me if that's you? Just say these simple words. Dear Jesus, even when I was a sinner, you died for me because of love. I trust in that today. I put my confidence in that love today. I put my faith in you today to wash away all my sin. I wanna be your child I want to follow you. Imperfect, I know. But with your help, I can make it. So I ask you to be my Savior today. To live with me for the rest of my life on this side of heaven. And then on the other. I trust you. It's in Christ's name I pray. Amen. If you just prayed that prayer, that is the greatest connection you will ever have. The greatest relationship you'll ever start. And if you know anything about relationships, and, and I'm tr- always trying to learn having the great great trying to have great relationships, you know that the primary way that you have a great relationship with anybody is communication. And the way God wants to communicate with us, the primary way he wants to communicate with us is through his word. And that's why every time someone prays that prayer to put their faith in Christ, we want to give away a free copy of the New Testament because we believe that as we read his word, he communicates to us. He talks to us. He's a talking God. He's a communicating God. Dare I say he's a chatty God. (laughs) If we should have ears to hear, if we should have ears to listen. If you prayed to receive Christ today, I would like to invite you to go back to the tables back here to my left and my right. If you're in the balcony, you can come down and say, hey, I prayed to receive Christ today. Can I have one of those one-year New Testaments? Can we give God glory today for what he's done? If you would like to pick up a copy of this, you can go to Amazon and do that. We don't have them in our bookstore just yet, but uh, we may have a couple. This will take you further into the whole idea of how to walk through this life as a Christ follower in the midst of a self selfie-centered world. And uh, so you can pick up a copy of that. And uh, let me just challenge you as we leave here today. Let me challenge you as we get up and ready to go. And the snow's coming. Hey, check it out. Today, today, may we leverage social media to be a positive thing instead of a negative thing may we use it to glorify god instead of dishonoring god may we protect our relationships by being present putting up those boundaries and celebrating those who are rejoicing will we do that this week what do you think good challenge all right let's pray dear god what an awesome privilege what an incredible privilege to be here and to open up your word and to look at how it intersects with our life and how We're living every single day the use of social media. And God, I just pray that you'd give us the wisdom to navigate through some of the pitfalls so that we might be able to use it, that is, social media in a way that honors you and advances your causes in this world. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you prayed to receive Christ, make sure you go back and grab your Bible on the way out. God bless you. See you next week for week number two. Bring a friend.